This is episode number 486 with Tracy Crossley, Imposter Syndrome in Your Intimate Relationships. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And if you would like some support on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book for you. It's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And it's filled with 30 chapters. Each chapter is a tip, which I'm going to share one of today. And uh, their exercises, their stories, some of them are transcripts from interviews on this podcast. And these all help you to step more fully into your value, which um, helps you in every part of your life. And you can find it now on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. This week's tip on becoming a woman of value is step 16, which is don't make assumptions. So we all know the adage of what happens when you make assumptions that I I was uh, just, I have this Facebook group called Your Last First Date. And if you're not yet a member, join us there because it's a, it's a very positive, supportive group for women over 40 who are dating and want support. And in that group this morning, there were so many assumptions and it's one of our group guidelines is we don't make assumptions. We get curious, we look at our unconscious biases and the, the particular issue that came up was around a woman who was dating a guy. She had been out only four times and his text, his texting wasn't up to par for her. So meaning that she would write something, she would expect some empathy and he would just kind of write a very kind of linear uh-huh response and then go into his own thing. And so these women are like, oh, you know, men are shallow. Oh, you know, men don't go deep. Oh, they stay surfing. And I was just like, okay, I'm closing the post because we're all going to assumptions. And I, I left the final comment about, you know, she really does need to get curious with him and really stop having text conversations. Honestly, we, uh, we don't com communicate well by text. And again, men and women can communicate very differently. And if you want empathy, sometimes you got to ask for empathy. So, um, so just this week, my challenge to you around assumptions is that if you are drawing some conclusion without getting curious first, go to curiosity because you may be pleasantly surprised that this person meant nothing like you thought they did. And now I'm going to bring on our, our special guest today, Tracy Crossley. She is a behavioral relationship expert, an author, and a podcast host. She specializes in treating people with unhealthy life and relationship patterns. She helps clients transform imposter syndrome, insecure attachment, negative belief systems, and breaking the cycle of narcissistic damage, destructive self-talk. That's a mouthful and I'm having trouble getting the words out. And she has a background in psychology and an innate emotional intuition, which is wonderful. And it draws from all of her own personal experience. And we're going to talk about imposter syndrome today. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you so much, Sandy, for having me on. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you too. And we've already had a great discussion off camera, so <laughs> off mic. And, uh, but we, we, I chose this topic because it really stood out for me as something we haven't talked about too much on the podcast. So first I'd love to hear you talk about what imposter syndrome is and how it relates to our intimate relationships. 
So I may have a different take on what imposter syndrome is, but for most people, at least the ones that I have met and myself included, it is where you have a facade that you have created. You, as a child, you develop an idea about characteristics that you have that are great and characteristics that are not so great. And this isn't necessarily your judgment. It may have been judgment of others and you got in trouble for being a certain way. So we've minimized those parts. We don't get rid of parts of ourselves, but we've minimized it, right? And so we go through the world with the parts that we think people like, that people are gonna hire us, people are gonna love us, people are going to want to be our friend or what have you. And what it is, is it's, it's a facade. It's kind of empty and it's not really who you are. So when you get close to people, you really can't even get close to them because you have this barrier because you're not really being yourself. And so there's always a fear of being found out. Mm. I can totally understand that. And I think most of us show up and as a representative of ourselves. And uh, then, then there's the bait and switch, right? Where you actually <laughs> show up with all your flaws and the person's like, who is this person? So um, how do we know if we are actually in imposter syndrome? Uh, one of the best ways is you have anxiety. I'm just, you know, if you're anxious, I'm telling you right now, you probably are not very connected to yourself. You're probably disconnected. You're living in your head. You're thinking or overthinking, I should say, all the time about certain situations. And, you know, you're not sure what to do, even though you intuitively know what to do. You're not really listening to that part of yourself. You're not listening to who you really are. You're listening to what should I do because I want to maintain the control I have over how other people perceive me. And if I'm vulnerable, or you know, I want, let's say, intimacy with someone, then I still have to really watch what I say. I have to strategize. So when you're spending a lot of time in your head like that and you feel anxious, I guarantee that you are definitely in imposter syndrome. Yeah, I've totally seen it in many people, myself included. Mm -hmm. Definitely was how I was until I started to do the healing. And we'll talk a little bit about that too. Um, I, I've seen, I think that most people who come to coaches and come for support are anxious people. And, uh, I have a child who's quite anxious and we've had many discussions about all the stuff, the assumptions she's making about what people think of her and, um, the nervousness around leaving her house late because she might be late for an appointment. It's like all of this. I don't want to disappoint people. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. really takes a toll on your health, not just your mental health, but your physical health as well. I mean, what have you seen as the, um, like some of the effects that it's had on people? Well, well, on physical health, you know, I've had people who come in with like autoimmune disorders, like they don't even, but they don't, they're not, oh, you have, um, you know, something with a name. Like they come in with these nameless sort of, my doctors can't figure it out. I've been to so many doctors. I've been to healers. I've been to everybody and nobody really knows because they're the symptoms come and go and, and they start to think, okay, this must be emotionally related. And it usually is. And through working together, you know, they get to either a better place or they are healed physically. Um, you know, I, when I was, uh, 
I wrote a book and when I was looking through studies, it was really interesting because I was very interested in the physical effects and, you know, this affects your cardiovascular system. You know, this is not just, you're putting it out here as this, let's say caricature, but you are suffering internally as well. Yeah, definitely. Your stomach, your cardiovascular, mm -hmm. your so many things get affected by anxiety, by being in your head. And one of the things that I've seen a lot also is we self-sabotage a lot. So we, we sabotage our relationships. We make all these assumptions about people or we, you know, we're just living up inside our head and not in our bodies. Um, and I'm wondering if women experience this more than men. I always love when we want to do that <laughs> like, <laughs> because women are, uh, you know, obviously they're more vocal in getting help in recognizing there's an issue. Men usually are much more willing to push it aside, but to be honest with you, I work with men and women and I've seen men, you know, I say men are a little bit different in how it manifests as far as the anxiety and as far as imposter syndrome goes but they still have it because they have expectations they can't live up to. And anytime you have expectations you can't live up to, you feel like you're not good enough. You're not going to get there. And yet you don't want to portray that. You want to portray that you can do, right? And that's a lot of men where they portray this, I can do it. I am able to do it. Yet they're really, you know, just feeling like that inside. They're feeling insecure. They're feeling anxious. They're feeling, um, you know, they don't like to let go of situations um, where it's just funny because you always think of the woman as being like, I can't let go of the situation, but really men will stay. Men will stay in things because they feel comfortable on a certain level with how they're being seen, even though they're anxious. You know, we can be comfortable because it's a comfort zone. So we don't have to test ourselves and get uncomfortable and they'll stay there and they'll be anxious. And so yeah. I mean, it's not just women. Yeah. No, I mean, I've seen it in men as well. Yeah. I work only with women, but I have a son who had a lot of this and he's worked on himself to really overcome a lot of it. So let's talk about that. Like how, how can people work on overcoming or managing imposter syndrome, especially in their intimate relationships? So what it's really interesting. We've been talking about this in one of my group programs this month. It's uh the fear of intimacy and speaking your truth. Speaking your truth is really where it starts. And speaking your truth is not an opinion. It is not about criticizing somebody else. It's not about what you think about another person that you hold back from saying. That's, again, you're, you're not going to what is true for you. And oftentimes when I'm talking to people, and this is just a, a hint of what to look for, when I'm having a conversation with someone and they're speaking a truth about how they feel about who they are. And I'll say, you need to say that, that piece right there. So pay attention when you're talking and you know, you're, you're sharing something about yourself. It's never long. It's not paragraphs. It's not stories. It's not something manufactured up here. It's really coming from an emotional place of saying a simple truth. Like, let's say that you know, you're dating somebody and you're feeling anxious, share that. You don't have to say it's their responsibility because it's not, because that's not speaking your truth, but say what you're afraid to say that has to do with how you feel 
and how you see yourself. And you can say, you know what, I'm anxious and I'm not used to actually sharing this with people, but I am trying to really develop a better relationship with myself and my own feelings. So I'm going to share that with you and just let you know that I'm anxious. I don't expect you to do anything, but I'm sharing it, right? Well, you know, I, when I used to do this, I would have a freaking panic attack. Oh my God, what's going to happen? I can't control what they're going to say or what they're going to do. And I did it anyway. And it was really hard. And I had to get unattached from the results from the other person. Like whatever they were going to do was a completely separate thing. It was all about what was this doing for me? And I grew a relationship with myself and I've taught other people to do that, but you got to start with something small. Don't don't get into, okay, I'm going to, you know, say the big thing that I hold back. No, start with something little. Like, let's say they say, let's go to dinner. What do you want to eat? Actually, you know, be real with yourself. What do I really want to eat? And then say it instead of going, whatever you want, it's all okay. It's all fine. Don't do that. (laughs) It's such a common thing. And especially with women, I will say, I think women do that a lot more than men. I've had clients who were, had a lot of eating restrictions and they would constantly just go along with what everybody else wanted. And it's such a game changer when you start to just speak your truth. And it is scary. So I'm glad you mentioned that because you're putting yourself out there. And, you know, it was interesting, a client of mine who has these fears, she, um, she's getting really good at speaking up. And she was going to send a text this morning to the guy she's with saying how much she appreciated a conversation they had last night. And then she said, but I know that he's busy and I'll have to wait all day for his response. So I'm not going to send the text. And that to me, so she's going to talk to him tonight and tell him how she felt because she knows herself. And so I really appreciate when somebody can self-regulate like that, but you expressing anxiety is not making somebody else responsible for your feelings. And I think saying that to the other person, I don't expect you to fix it. You know, it's, it's all truths. I think that's where people sometimes get confused. Like if I say I'm anxious, they're going to feel the need to fix it. And they may even try to fix it. And then I'm going to be pissed off because they're trying to fix it. So, um, Yeah. So if you can share some more examples of the language, because I think that's really helpful for our listeners. Like if they have something they need to talk about or want to be more vulnerable, how can they express it? I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that I teach and I I don't want to get into like the length of it because it can be quite lengthy, but we really talk about, you know, emotions and and, uh, it's a somatic experience. And so that's really where we go to. And so what I always advise people is to get in their body, get out of their head, get into your feelings. Now you have different feelings. You have feelings that are reactions to the stories in your head. Okay. Those are not real feelings they're reactions. You don't actually understand what your true motivation is unless you're willing to get deeper. And a lot of us, we have obstacles in the way, we have resistance in the way to that, but it's okay because it's a journey. So even if you're hitting your reactions and you know, you can still speak from that place. You can go, you know what? I know this is just a story, but I'm feeling this way about the story. And I realize it's my story. And you can say things like that. 
But if you have been, you know, getting in your body, let's say, for a long time, and you really understand how to get to the deeper feelings and the deeper motivated feelings that come from your, you know, your core beliefs, then you can speak and it's, it gets simpler. It's, I love you. I miss you. I like you. I had fun. You know, like I went on a date and a lot of times women will not say anything until the guy says something to them. Right. And so you, you know, a guy can say something and you can go, you know what? I really enjoyed last night and I think I like you, you know, there's nothing wrong with that because you're saying a truth instead of waiting for him to mold the relationship for you so that it's like, oh, it's safe now. I can say something. You've got to make it safe for yourself. And the more you can be inside of yourself, in your body, feeling your feelings. And then, you know, for me, like I teach people how to break patterns by feeling their feelings, but even just doing this part of it, you start to feel more grounded. You start to feel more confident. And what you're doing is you're valuing yourself and you're saying your feelings matter to you. And that has to do not with how it's received. It has to do with you taking the act of doing this in the first place. And to me, you know, this was hard when I was in an attached relationship many years ago. Uh, this is one of the places I started doing it because I realized, gosh, I keep ending up in the same situation with the same person for, you know, it was like went on and on for six years where I'd break up with him. I can't take this anymore. And then he'd come back. And, and one day I'm like, okay, Tracy, your feelings haven't changed as much as you think you're getting over this guy, you're not getting over him. And he was basically my guinea pig for a lot of what I did because I realized I was totally disconnected from my emotions. So, you know, a lot of it is reconnecting to yourself, you know, and that speaks to the imposter syndrome as well. Like you got to reconnect to yourself and then you know what you're going to say and speak a truth. Like, even if you don't know what the truth is, say, I'm not sure what the truth is, but this is how I'm feeling. You know, it's okay to say things like that. Give yourself permission. I love that. I think that, that another thing that you brought up that's really important is that being in relationship is how we often work this stuff out. We can't just stay in our head learning and you know, taking another course and reading another book and listening to another podcast episode. It's all good, but the practice is where the growth happens. And so every date, every relationship is our school of life. And, uh, you know, and I think that often people say oh, it was a waste of time and that person wasn't for me. I mean, I was in a relationship from the time I was 16 till I was 21 on and off. It sounds a lot like what you went through, but like I was madly in love with this guy and thought he was going to be my forever love. And it was in and out and in and out and so much anxiety. And I never knew where I stood with him. And I was afraid to say anything. And what was, I remember the feeling when I finally broke up with him for good. And I, I really was over him. But when my marriage ended, I reached out to him. And there was like, there were all these truths that I wanted to speak. Suddenly everything was bubbling up for me. And I said, you know, I, I, I need to know some things. You were like the love of my life. And I'm wondering if I was that to you and did you love me? And we never said these things to each other. And I kind of want to know. And he was so gracious. I mean, he said, yes, I loved you. I was terrible at expressing my feelings too. And and, uh, you know, and it was, it was, it was a really healing conversation. So even many, many, many decades later, not many, many, many decades, but, 
few decades, many years later. <laughs> yeah. It's never too late to have a conversation to, even if you don't have it directly with that person, but to have clarity in your life instead of living in your head. Yeah. I'm yeah. not one to, uh, anytime I talk to people, I can always tell when they're in their head anyways. And, you know, it's, it's a shame because you're not really living life that way. You're not experiencing life. You're observing life. You know, you're kind of sitting in an armchair, just watching and, you know, making stories about whatever it is. And a lot of us do that. We talk ourselves out of things before we will allow ourselves to do it, especially when you do have imposter syndrome, because again, you have a certain way that you portrayed yourself and there is a fear of anybody finding out anything like those hidden characteristics I was talking about before, you know, that you've gotten rid of, or you thought you got rid of as a kid. It's like, you're still afraid somebody is going to find out about that. Yeah. And I've seen the opposite that people are going, are afraid that their partner is going to think they're too perfect. Well, you know, we portray that too. I mean, we do the perfectionism, we do the people pleasing, we do, again, it's all part of the same act to be whatever it is we think we have to be, to be loved. And we learn these things as children, you know, mm -hmm. oh, when I do that, I get yelled at, or I feel like I'm not loved or I don't get attention or, you know, however we're equating love to be. And so we carry this forward because we don't have any critical, I want to say critical feeling skills. We have critical thinking skills, but we still don't even understand how to employ those when you're six years old or five years old. But as you're older, you don't realize that these patterns aren't who you are. They're your conditioning. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. I know on your podcast, on one of your podcasts, you have people who've had transformations and have used some of these skills. And I'm wondering if you can think of a story of somebody who had imposter syndrome and really did the work. Um, I have a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I do a, I do a Facebook live every Thursday morning and uh, I did it right before actually this. And, um, I was on with four of my coaches, people that I've trained to do this. And we were talking specifically about that and each one, their transformation. And, you know, I have, I'll just take one of them, you know, my one coach, when she came, she had a whole lot of things going on in her life. Her daughter was getting married. She was separated from her husband. Um, she was a school teacher. She was attached to somebody and she wanted to obviously change how she felt. And so she had these different personas, you know, these different people that she was in different places. Like she felt like she should take care of her husband who ended up dying, like in the first few months of us working together, um, because everybody expected her to be a certain person, right? They expected her to be the nurse. They expected her to show up. Nobody really knew what their relationship was outside of her close friends. 
um, you know, at school, she was expected to be a certain person. Like she was expected to be a certain way with her kids even, you know, like, and we do this. I can totally relate. I did this when my kids were young. I was a single mom for many years. So one of the, you know, one of the things that became very clear to her was the cost, right? She was exhausted all the time. Her relationships weren't working how she wanted them to work. She was not comfortable in her skin anywhere because all she was doing was trying to keep up with whatever people thought of her. And so she slowly started to speak her truth. Like as she got to know herself, well, what do I really want? Who am I really? What am I doing? You know, and she started to feel the things that gave her anxiety and she started to work with her anxiety and she started to, um, I would say, blossom into who she is now. Like I listen to her talk, I'm like, oh my God, this is such a different <laughs> person. Um, you know, and she, what's interesting is um, the relationship that she was attached and they were actually broken up when we started working together. She's actually been back with him for the last couple of years and they have a great relationship because she did this work where she stopped putting it on him because a lot of times when you have imposter syndrome, you're always looking at the other person for their reaction. You're always looking at what are they going to tell me? What are they going to say to me? And for her, you know, she really was, what am I saying to me? What am I doing for me? Right. And these aren't simple things. And it, I know it sounds simple. It is difficult to transform because it's a commitment and you have to value yourself enough to commit to actually making these changes. And the only way you build self-value is by doing these things. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a circle that you're in, but it is how it works. Um, you know, another, my other coach on there, she actually was so funny now that I think about it, similar situation. She was married and she had somebody that she was interested in and she was attached to, and, um, she was afraid to get divorced and she was afraid she had been wanting to get divorced for a long time, but she didn't even know why. And we had to really dig deep into, well, why do you want to get divorced. And then she was a person, by the way, talk about perfectionism and the imposter syndrome. Like she literally would go, um, she lived in a small town. She would, uh, have a friend call and say, can you go pick up my stuff at the dry cleaners? It'd be a 30 mile drive for her to go do that for her friend. And so she had this, but she had this persona. I will help everybody. I'm going to, you know, be there for everybody. And she stopped doing a lot of the stuff. She lost a lot of her friendships, but they weren't really friendships. They were based on her persona. Um, but long story short, she ended up getting divorced. She ended up, um, you know, being with the guy that she had the attachment to and, and not everybody I work with ends up with the person that they're attached to, but in certain situations, as you change, it changes a relationship. So she's married to him now and they've moved, you know, to another state and she's freaking happy. So, which was unusual because she never really had been happy. And that's, you know, when you're being an imposter, it's a little difficult to actually be happy. Usually you're anxious about being happy. <laughs> right. I'm guilty that I'm happy. Uh, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, those stories are so relatable and inspiring because I think a lot of people listening will say, well, I'm that type of person. You know, I'm the people pleaser. I'm the one who says, an auto yes to everything. And I don't even think about what I want. And it is one of the first steps is like, who are you? What do you want? What do you need? I remember in my coaching certification program, we had to do these values exercises and I had never, ever looked at who I was, mm -hmm. what, what values are important to me. I, I can be anything for anyone. I was the chameleon. 
And so, yeah, it made peace because that's the role I played in my family of origin, peacemaker. I didn't like conflict. I didn't like that my parents were always arguing. So it's, you know, we carry on these roles in our lives until we have the awareness and start to break those patterns. And it is so freeing. My kids often say, I don't, you're like a totally different person. Like they don't remember me as the wife of their father. <laughs> they see me as the successful businesswoman, the coach, the person who can regulate her emotions, you know, it's, and has been there as a rock for my kids because of the work I've done. And so, you know, it has this ripple effect if you do this work. And so I really encourage everyone listening to take the time to really take those masks off and be brave enough to show the real you and with your flaws, with your vulnerabilities, with your well, with your perceived flaws, I don't even know if they're really flaws. I think that they're they're part of the fabric and the tapestry of our lives that make us who we are and they make us relatable. I agree totally. Yep. It's being all you are and it's so subjective about what people think a flaw is anyway. Yeah. So, you know, who cares what other people think about that? You got to care about you and being everything, every little bit of who you are. Absolutely yep. embody it. Totally. Rock what you got, I often say. Um, so Tracy, this is really such a great conversation. And I'm wondering if you have any final words of advice for people who want to go on their last first date. Yes, I do. Check in with yourself when you go on a date. You know, that was one of the things I got remarried a few years ago and I was single for many years after my first marriage. Um, and one of the things that I recognized was I wanted, I decided, I made a commitment. I want a healthy relationship. And I decided that meant I had to do things that were really uncomfortable. And one of them was I would check in with what am I feeling when I'm saying certain things? Like this only took a few seconds on the date, right? To put the attention back on me. What am I feeling? How am I being? Am I being real? You know, because I realized that I could be on a date with somebody and not really be into it. And yet I'd be trying to get a second date from them, right? So I was completely acting out a part and not being myself. And so I started really checking in and being really honest. And I found I actually really enjoyed dating and I'd always hated dating, but I really started to enjoy it. Started learning a lot about myself and I learned a lot from other people that way. And it slowed it down. It made it less of a disappointment. You know, like, oh gosh, I went on this date and wasted my time. I never felt like that anymore because I learned about myself and I learned about the other person. And I felt like that's what it is, Tracy. You're learning and you're getting closer and closer to having that relationship because, you know, I mean, shoot, I was single for over 20 years going, okay, um, I'm a coach. I'm doing this work, but how much am I really doing? So, but that's, that's the biggest thing you can do is to be checked in with yourself. Cause then you can also tell where am I connecting to this person? Am I even trying to connect to this person or am I just performing for them? Mm. Connection or performance. That's a, it's a good distinction. I think yes. that most of us are performing and it is so refreshing to be honest. I mean, I just told somebody, um, I was not enjoying a conversation on, I was having on one of the dating apps and he was saying nothing. Hello. Good evening. LOL. You know, it's like, I'm not connecting. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was busy with life. I just stopped talking to him 
And I was planning on, you know, disconnecting and saying something. And he said, are you still interested in chatting? And I said, honestly, I don't feel enough of a connection to continue. And he LOL'd me again and said, you must be really good at reading people because we haven't really chatted for very long or something. And I went, okay, delete. I don't need to go any further in explaining why his conversation with me really did not connect me. I mean, it was, it was a boring conversation and I wasn't interested. So I don't, I don't want to prolong something, but I also don't want to ghost people. And I think that we, um, you know, I've told people on a first phone call, I'm not feeling enough of a connection to meet. And they're like, oh, but please. And I'm like, no, don't beg me to meet you. We're just not the right match. Like I know that about myself because I know myself really well. And so don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to say whatever you're feeling and to also just get curious. I mean, I had a client the other day who was saying to me, that this guy did things on a date that were so inappropriate. And she was saying like, he picked me up and he did like weird, uncomfortable things. And then in the next breath, she said, and, and I, I'm wondering why he hasn't asked me out again. And I said, do you really want to go out with him again? Or is it just the disappointment that you didn't get to say no to a second date? Like what, what's mm-hmm. really going on? And what are you paying attention to? What are your criteria? Because we often have no clue what we really need and want. So check in with yourself, people. <laughs> Ask yourself how you're feeling. I mean, this, this somatic work is so important and you've mentioned it a few times, how you feel in your body, because often we don't even know the words, but we know how we feel. We can feel the discomfort. We can feel the excitement. We can feel the boredom and it's all okay. It's okay to feel anything that you feel. You know, one of the things that I would say really quick too is I often tell people um, because we don't, we know ourselves, but a lot of times we don't know why we react the way we do. We don't know what is driving us to, let's say, want to bolt from a date or want to bolt from something. And I always say, you stay 90 seconds longer, you stay five minutes longer. Why? Not for the benefit of what the other person is or isn't doing. It's more about getting in your body and feeling the discomfort of having to stay. Like a lot of us, we have a fear and we think the walls are going to close in or something horrible is going to happen. And it's like this indescribable feeling as far as it's not an actual thing. You know, it's just a fear, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you got to be curious about whatever your fears are because when you can stay five minutes more on a date and then you find, well, what is it I'm trying to escape from here? Why am I trying to get out of here? What am I not expressing myself? What am I not doing for myself here? And you can turn that trajectory and you learn so much about yourself. You know, you learn, I'm afraid of nothing. Why am I afraid? Who cares if I'm here five more minutes, right? So it's always about exploring what you're afraid to explore because a lot of this, again, comes from childhood and it's just a reaction to a feeling that you're having. And it's great to know what makes you tick. So yeah. I'm always about what, what it is for you. Yeah, I love that. You know, the triggers we have and is this something that has to do with the person in front of us or is this just me picking up on something that may not have anything to do with that person or maybe it does, right? right? And so we don't, we, we have to really do this work to really understand that we may be pushing away good people. We may be, we may be, you know, not giving certain people a second chance 
and we may be giving the wrong people many chances. And so this is all a learning process. And the more connected we are to who we are, to our honest truth, the more effective our dating life will be and the more intimate we can become. Absolutely. I agree. Love it. So Tracy, tell, tell our audience how they can find you. You can just go to tracycrossley.com and all of my social media links are there. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, <laughs> probably I'm, I'm on Pinterest. Um, you know, you can also just pop in Tracy Crossley um, in a Google search too. And I just wrote a book recently and that'll come up as well. Um, but yeah, that's probably the easiest way to find me. Awesome. And the book is called? Overcoming Insecure Attachment. Yes. Awesome. And for anyone who does not know what attachment styles are, this is such an important topic. So go get the book, check out Tracy's website and her social media. And um, thank you, Tracy, for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. And for all of our listeners, thank you for listening as always. And if you love our show, please share it with a friend, subscribe, rate, and review. It always helps. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.